I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Riffin sitting opposite me, always Blake Harrison. How are you, mate? Bonjour. Oh, I see what you've done there. Right. <laughs> How are you? I was just, we just had a little catch up because we haven't seen each other for a while, have we? No, no, no. We've been we've been busy. We've been doing things. This is why this is a little bit late coming out mm. to you. We're going to go over uh, obviously uh, UFC Paris, and mm-hmm. uh, we're also going to uh, talk about UFC two seven nine uh, Diaz Shimaev. Um, Absolutely. But how Absolutely. how did you how did you watch uh, UFC Paris? Because obviously it was on at a good time for us. It was yeah. on you know yeah. prime time was, UK uh... time. Absolutely. I mean, we should also. Um, do a big thanks to the UFC because um, we did actually get um, accredited to go, didn't we? But because of work commitments, we couldn't we couldn't get out there. But um, at one point, it was looking like we might jump on the Eurostar and uh, stick our berets on and get stuck in. But um, but we could have work... shared a hotel room, you know, had yeah. a little spoon. Yeah, maybe got a tandem bike and just yeah. uh, cycled Been around. Lovely. Cycled around France with some onions. Is that racist, saying like berets and onions? I don't mm. know. It's, it's, it's quite a lazy kind of... You've, I, I mean, yeah, you, you've said it now, mate. You've got to just read the consequences. <laughs> look, look at you washing your hands, yeah. mate. I have not said anything about berets or onions or baguettes. But... No, but... And your impression could quite easily be written off as like quite... A bit, bit Welsh, I thought. Like, um... How dare you? How fucking dare you? Um... Um, let me tell you how I watched it, Blake. Um, it was, it couldn't have felt any better. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and when, when I say this, right. Um, my kids were working, uh, and my missus was away on a spa weekend. So I had the house to myself and, uh, and I was planning on going out. A couple of mates were like, do you want to go out for a drink? And I was like, oh, I might do. And then I just popped into my head. Oh, 5 p.m. Oh, this never happens. Like any time, like my family are at UFC's, like a, you know, a four four a.m. job, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is perfect. So uh, yeah, got myself a little bottle of uh, red wine, quite French, and uh, and yeah, and still with the it. stereotypes, still with that, still going with it. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> 
<laughs> just like to apologise to France. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was. It, it also fell the same time as um, as the Taylor Hawkins tribute gig. So uh, I had that on on YouTube on on, on the laptop, and I was sort of flitting in the uh, some of the early fights and. Uh, watching some of the, the stuff that was happening at Wembley, and then the rest of the time it was it was back to to Paris um, for for what I thought was a really solid event. And yourself, where was you? Oh, the opposite, mate. Couldn't have gone much worse. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so I um, the day before I, I'd got. Uh, I hope I'm all right saying this. A self tape had come through for me, which is like um, auditions now that are over, like. You know, they're not like actually an audition over Zoom. You record it and then send it off. That's basically it. So self-tape come through for me. It was uh, an American project and it was 13 pages of dialogue. And I thought, that's, that's a lot of stuff. And, you know, for, for certain reasons, I decided, you know what? There's a lot going on at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to do this. And also, maybe in the back of my mind, I was going, and also, I really want to watch UFC tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, you know, so there was that. And um, I then get around my brother's house. So I'm with my brother. We watch a, a couple of the fights. He's also got the football on at this point, which I'm annoyed about. Um, but uh, I then, I literally, I go to the toilet. And as I check my phone while I sat on the toilet, an email's come through from uh, my agent saying, "This is a really good thing. You should you should really go for this uh, this thing." And when they message you on a Saturday, you're like, "Oh, they they mean this. <laughs> this this is this is quite important." Um, so then I have to just like, oh, and also a mate of mine had joined me at my brother's just like ten minutes prior to me getting this email or whatever, and so I had to just like walk out of the toilet with my tail between my legs. Being like, sorry guys, I've I've got to go home. I've got uh, I've got work to do. Oh dear. Yeah. So I uh, so I really depressed. Kind of walk home. My mate was fine with it. He was like, oh Joe, you know I've had offers to watch the fight elsewhere as well. So I will just go there. I ended up picking up a pizza on the way home from this new place that's open near me near me to drown my sorrows. And I literally sat watching the card, but whilst trying to learn loads of lines. That's impossible. Well, it was, you know, I, I, I did my best. I did my best. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there were certain fights where I maybe saw a bit less of, but then there were certain mm-hmm. fights where I did less line learning. Um, so that was kind of how I watched it, which was a shame because I thought, oh, my God, the rare times that it's on are a good time yeah. for us. And I can actually watch it around my brother's house and we can have a really good laugh and watch it and have some food and all that stuff. No, taken away from me. So that sucked. And equally, the... Um, uh, the, what's really funny is that I had to learn a bit of French for the uh, for the audition as well. Uh, so that was there was some irony there, I guess, that I was trying to watch the French card whilst trying to also learn <clears> some <throat> French, a little French paragraph. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so that that was that was how I watched it. Unfortunately, well, should we start at the, at the top? Because I don't want to talk about all the fights because obviously we've got two events that we want to sort of touch on on today's episode. But um, are you happy to start with? Uh, Gone to Avaza. I don't think you can start anywhere else, can you? That is, that is pretty like, good. Uh, do you know what? It made me love mixed martial arts a little bit more. Wow. I just was beaming. And, and I've got to be honest, I, w- I wanted Ty to win. Like, yeah. um, just because 
he's just such a character, isn't he? And yep. like, and he's he's so likable as he's as he's gone. Um, and I just loved the fact that there was no bollocks in the in in any of the media. You know, really funny where they in in uh, enwrapped in their arm in in entwined their arms even uh, around each other and and drunk a shoey uh, yep. each. And I thought it's just great. That's what you want from from your sportsman. Uh, and the fact there was lots of kind of, you know, acknowledgement of shots to each other throughout the fight, and and just yeah, just just real good sportsmanship and laced with a really fucking good brawl, and mm. and I think, you know, to sort of move on to the the, the, the fight itself, um, I at never at any point did did it look like tight was never going to pull something from, you know, from the trenches and, and it'd be a big shot because, you know, he's got that sort of Nigel Ben thing when he's, as we saw against um, uh, the beast, like when he's, when he's up against it, he'll dig deep and he'll throw something and, and that shot can finish a fight. And, uh, and I, I, I was really rooting for him, but for me, it just felt gone was just too good. And, and we saw really good Cyril Garn that night. And, uh, I mean, them them front kicks, like, and they were fast as well. And I, you can only imagine the pain that they must inflict oh. on someone. And, you know, Ty can eat shots. We know that. But it, it, you could see he was in, you know, the distress that them shots were putting on him. And, and for somebody that's built like Tuvaza as well, you know, them constant shots in the, the stomach and the solar plexus, you know, depl- must just deplete what energy you've got left. And, uh, yeah, I thought Garn just really, really excelled and, and just got more confident as the fight went on. But, you know, throughout it all, just the sportsmanship was the thing that really, and, and the goodwill in in such a, you know, hostile environment was, was just, yeah, beautiful. Uh, I absolutely loved this fight. Yeah, I loved it as well. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, I mean, the crowd were phenomenal as well. I mean, they're singing the French national anthem and even like Ty kind of took a moment to say to Cyril, like, oh, that's, listen to that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Like type thing. And Cyril, I think, was kind of like smiling at him as if to say, yeah, yeah, but I'm not losing focus. I'm all, I'm still very focused here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, I probably went into it slightly wanting Ty to win because he is a character and I kind of feel like he... Ty, to me, feels like someone that's fantastic, loads of fun, unbelievable power, clearly very durable as well, but beatable. Very beatable. Mm. When you, when you, if you match Ty up with to, a fit Tom Aspinall, Cyril Garn, obviously, Curtis Blades, John Jones... Uh, Francis Ngannou, you think things might not work out too well for Ty here. Um, mm. Whereas Garn, you match him up against any of those guys and you go, Garn could win. Garn could beat mm. Tom. Garn could beat Curtis Blades. It, I, I think Garn is one of the best shots out there to get to beat John Jones. I've been saying that for a long time. Mm. I was very surprised when Garn fought in Garnu that he was so susceptible to the takedown. But I, cause I think it's more because he wasn't expecting it. Mm. I think if Garn trains to fight Curtis Blades, his takedown defense will be on point. Mm. But he wasn't expecting that approach from Engarnu. Um I mean, going back to the tie fight, I mean as you say, that the the kicks to the body were just 
lethal and just... But what was amazing was this is one of those fights where I kind of feel like, yes, Ty lost, but I almost feel like the fans love him even more. A hundred percent. His stock went up that night. His stock went up, right? Because you could see that he was... I think Paul Felder... Did I hear Paul Felder saying something about, like, when you... uh, when you get kicked to the body like that, um, you're like normally you'd you'd be kind of done. When as soon as you see a fighter kind of sort of bending over in pain a little bit and then trying to go back, that, that's the that's it. It's done. He did that quite a lot and mm. was still trying to come back with strikes. And when he caught him in that second round, <laughs> yeah, I, mate. Like my, my my wife had already gone to bed. And I spoke to her the, day, like the, the morning after. She was like, what what happened? Because at one point, I was like just about off to sleep and I heard you go, oh, no! <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it was like, because Ty just banged it. And he, he like went like down and like bashed off the fence, didn't he? Like, Garn went down and bashed yeah. off the fence. That was such an incredible moment because it looked like, like, because round one seemed really like, Garn probably won it, but like, it wasn't mm. like a... a Hugely exciting round, or just feeling each other out a bit, weren't they? Yeah, and then round two was just probably one of the best rounds of the year. I mean, yeah. that that was incredible. The gone taking it, uh, like gaining the upper hand, then Ty just lands that unbelievable shot, and then pounces on him as quick as he can. But gone, I mean, that chin, the uh, the recovery, because gone basically said in the post fight interview that he felt like he was basically knocked out, but then just came round really quickly, and. Two of us was on him trying to finish the fight, didn't quite work, and then Garn just went to town, hitting that body. Nearly, maybe could have. If that second round went on much longer, we could have got a finish in the second round. Then the third round comes out, and Garn's all over him. And that that finishing sequence where he decided to not go to the body anymore and go to the head. There was I've heard some people talk about the uh, the illegal strike. Have you heard about that in the no. finishing in the finishing sequence? I, I didn't have a problem with it live. I've gone back and watched it and gone, the fight's basically over at this point, so I've not got a huge problem. Was there problem. a hammer fist? There was a standing hammer fist right to the back of Taito Ivasa's head. Like, right. it technically was an illegal strike. He shouldn't have thrown it. But I do feel like, did it impact the fight? Not really. I think the fight was over, so I've not got a huge problem with it. But should it have been thrown? No. And if Mark Goddard had stepped in then, it was Mark reffing, reffing it, I think, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. If Mark Goddard had stepped in at that point and said, whoa, 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 back of the head, take a minute, then... Le- could have then, recovered. But by the letter of the law, I think Mark would have been right to do that. But the, the fight was over. It, was, it yeah. was done. Even if Ty then had a minute to recover from that illegal strike or whatever, I think the fight was done. So I don't have a problem with it. I'm not going to... Moan about. I have seen people moaning about it. Probably Australian Tuivasa fans, and you know they love their guy and then whatever. But and they're technically not wrong. But would it have impacted the rest of the fight? No, the f- the fight was done. So I don't have a problem with it. And t- I don't think Ty has mentioned it, so I don't think he has a problem with it. So no, no, super yeah. gracious. All yeah, right. um, exactly. <clears throat> um, do we want to sort of look at what could be next for for both of them? Yeah, I mean, it's still just such a great fight. To, like, I've I've gone back and rewatched like from mm. the second round. It's still just such a fun fight. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what's next for them, 
I said a while ago on one of our episodes that I think there's a mini heavyweight tournament going on at the moment. And it was Tom Aspinall, Curtis Blades, Cyril Garn, Taito Ivasa. And the winner of those two fights should fight each other. What they're fighting each other for is what we're not sure about at the moment. So I do think Garn versus Curtis Blades is the fight to make. I think that it could be for an interim title. But I think what's more likely is that the UFC are really working hard to try and get this John Jones, Stipe Miocic fight uh, for an interim title. So I think the Garn Blaze fight will just be a fight. Um, obviously, with huge implications for the winner in terms of like their next fight should be for yeah. a belt. But then the other thing the UFC are working on is Francis Ngannou. So yeah. they still haven't locked up Francis Ngannou to a, a, a contract yet. So will Ngannou get signed to a contract and then they say, fuck you, Stipe, we're going with Jones and Garnu, Or do they say, Jones, you're being too difficult. We're going to do the trilogy between Miocic and Ngannou. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm not massively... As much as that performance was from Garn was incredible, I don't really want to see Garn fight Ngannou next. If he, fight, he could fight anyone else, get a win, and then fight Ngannou next. But mm. I, I, don't, I think he needs one more win and then he can rematch Ngannou if, if Ngannou's still the champ and all that. But I'd, I'd like to see the Curtis Blades fight because it's something different. Yeah. We've seen Garn struggle with Ngannou's wrestling. Again, I think because he wasn't expecting it. But let's see him fight a proper wrestler. Let's see him fight a proper yeah. wrestler and say, hey, I've, I've filled those holes in my game and we, we see him do something special against someone like Curtis Blades. Then, yeah, give him a fight uh, uh, for the belt. I, I truly believe, though, Garn is very, very special. And I think he's relatively young as well, I think. So I think he could be the future of the heavyweight division. I really hope Tom Aspinall's knee is recovering well. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. I'm assuming it's some time. But he, him, Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Garn, especially if Tom's knee gets back to 100%, is a fight that I think he is just... It's the future of heavyweight in terms of like they're not just big brawlers. I don't see this. that fight happening anytime soon, mate. Well, no, because of his knee. But I mean, no, not just that. I mean, you know, technically he's come off a loss uh, to, to 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 Blades, and we know that that wasn't a loss as you know it, it was an injury that caused that. So you know, Blades is 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 going to be you know much further up uh, the the waiting list to get that. You know, big big fights. I think that um, whenever Tom's back, I think the two of us a fight like could could be the fight to make. I don't think Tom's going to get gone. Um, Not straight I, I away. No, but, I'm, but that's again, what I'm if, I think the if next fight loses, he could possibly. But I, I think the next fight for for Tom could, could quite easily be tied to Avaza. I, I think it all, de- I mean, it's still all dependent on how long Tom's out because that heavyweight division could change so much because we mm-hmm. go on to maybe matchmaking for Taito Avasa in a minute, but there's loads of options for Taito Avasa. And if he loses the next two, he could be behind, way behind Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, what? It's frustrating though, isn't it? Like the, I mean, how fucking long has John Jones been piss balling around, like talking about when he's going to come back? And it's like, look, mate, either do it Oh, just fuck off because he's it's, it's boring me. It's like I'm, I'm getting annoyed now. But like he's sitting there on the fringes digging fighters out, and it's like 
we've not even got close to knowing what's happening. You know, there's just rumours every now and again. It's like, either do it or don't. And the same with Francis. It's like, what's going on? Is there a contract with the UFC? I mean, the Fury thing doesn't appear to be happening. Fury's now calling out Anthony Joshua. Um, and so I, I don't see that. And obviously, the, the Usek fight's always going to be in the making. I don't see there being a, 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 a Francis Tyson Fury fight anytime soon. So, so what's left for Francis Ngannou? You know, he's 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 got to do what he's good at, which is MMA. And 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 so you know, I I think I agree with you that if John Jones does come back, I think because of who he is. Um, he will just go straight to that title shot. I don't think they'll they'll give him Stipe. I think if 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 Francis, you know, is, is contracted to the UFC, and and John Jones signs a new contract, or if he's got an existing, I don't know what the deal is. Like that fight will happen, I think, because it's so big. Like I think that would just that would take president over anything else. Well, that that's the fight that that I think most people want is in Garnu v Jones. I think look. I am not the biggest fan of John Jones's antics outside of the octagon. I think he's a very problematic character, and we don't need to go into everything that he's done. But yeah, if I, I I'm not a huge fan of of, no. of Jones, the 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 individual from what we've seen from various police reports and uh, USADA problems, all those kind of things. It's it, it's it's not my thing. However. I will say I don't think it's right to criticize John Jones anymore for not fighting. Cause so I think Jones has been ready for a while. Jones is waiting on the UFC. He's waiting on Stipe. He's waiting on Nganu. Like Jones has been good to go for a while now. And all of everything I have heard has been, he's waiting on Stipe. The UFC aren't paying enough money for this. The uh, Stipe's not agreed contract for that. Ngannou contract is a problem, so he can't fight Ngannou. Like, I think Jones, you, you, you're not going to throw Jones in there and just go, oh, go and fight Derek Lewis or oh, go and fight Taito Ivasa or something like that. Be great if he did. I, th- I think that'd be a, a great thing. But the UFC want Jones to fight for a belt. And understandably, because Jones is going to command a huge amount of money. So I don't think it's right to criticize Jones for not fighting at heavyweight at the moment because I, I think if they say to him, you're fighting Ngannou next month or you're fighting Stipe for the interim belt next month, I think he signs that contract. Um, so, yeah, but it is what it is. But anyway, let's just move on to, to Ty because Ty is, what's he, like 29 years old? Mm-hmm. Like, he's still got such a – heavyweight's – can age, you know what I mean? Like we, we see heavyweights get older and still be successful and he's only 29. Um, I, I think he's just such, I, I just want him to be in ideally like fun fights with strikers. I know that there's a lot of people out there go, you can't do that. If he's ranked in the top 10, blah, 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 he should just fight anyone. And if he ends up fighting, you know, a grappler or whatever, then so be it. But let's be honest. The UFC is a business. They do things that are, good for business and tied to Ivasa winning and doing a shoey is good for business and tied to Ivasa is more likely to win with people that stand and strike with him than he is people that that wrestle with him uh unless they're Cyril Garn obviously um but I think putting tie in 
it's difficult because he's so highly ranked now. Was he ranked like fourth or fifth or something like that? He's very, very highly I'll ranked. Up the rankings while you're talking. So, I mean, tied to Ivasa, I mean, I think Chris Dorcas is fighting Jarzinho Rosenstrike soon. That's maybe a favorable matchup for Ty, especially because the UFC are looking to go to Australia early next year, I think. So if you're doing an Australia card, you want to put as many Australians on the card as possible. You want to Ivasa, you want, uh, you know, your, uh, your Volkanovskis, your, uh, your, your Robert Whittakers and people like that on that card, if you can. And you want to give them fights where they win. The crowd fourth. goes nun- nuts. Yeah, that's it. The crowd goes nuts when they win. Like you saw it in Paris this weekend. Benoit Saint-Denis wins. The place goes nuts. And then every French fighter on the card like, was getting wins. And, it, it, you know, the, the place was rocking. And that's what you want. So I think putting Taito Ivasa in Australia give him time to recover and put him in Australia against a favorable matchup against like a Chris Dorcas, a Jarzinho Rosenstrike, something like that, which are still hard fights. They're not guaranteed wins at all. They are tough, tough fights, but they're not, say, Sergei Pavlovich, who yeah. I think is Fifth. a bit more of a monster. I mean, I know uh, Alexander Romanov lost to, Ty, uh, lost to Tybora recently. I think the altitude had a lot to do with that. But the way that Romanov picks people up and slams them down and goes to the wrestling... Keep Ty away from that guy. <laughs> like, let's, let's just have a couple of fun fights with Ty. And if he wins one or two, he can get straight back in the mix for a title fight and then fight a guy where you go, oh, this is really tough grappler, number one contender fight, something like that. Um, that's what I think the UFC will want to do with Ty because he's good for business because he's a great character. Um, and he's just fun. You like to see a fighter that just, like, knocks people out within the first couple of rounds or, like, you know, lives by the sword, dies by the sword. You know, he's not someone that loses decisions, wins decisions very often. He's like, he knocks out or he gets knocked out. And that's the fun fighters that you, you want to see as fans. He's always going to sell well. Fans are going to be interested in paying money to watch him fight. So I think give him, give him the easier. Not, well, not easy. None of them are easier. Not easy fights, but I suppose just... Just fan give friendly him fights. The fan friendly fights, exactly. Give him the fan friendly fights. That's what I want to see. So I think... The winner of Chris Dorcas, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, which is still a really tough fight that he could easily lose as well as win. That's the fight to make and make it in Australia or something like that. I think that'd be good. Keep him away from the Romanovs and, and the people like that. Robert Whitaker, Vittori. What a masterclass. Unbelievable. If you ever needed any more clarification that Robert Whitaker. He's the second best middleweight on the planet. It's like, you know, and it's, I mean, he, he looked incredible. He yeah. looked incredible. I thought Vittori looked good. Like, yeah. you know, uh, pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, you get that when you fight him, but, but Whitaker just never looked phased. He just, and he just got more and more confident and he just fought a smart fight. Uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. And, it's so weird, isn't it? I know he's talked about a, a change in weight. Um, where, where do you see things going for Robert Whitaker now? Do oh. you think we get another fight with Izzy? I mean, if we're talking about a fight in Australia for UFC, I mean, it's not going to get any bigger than that, right? I don't, I don't see a fight with Izzy anytime soon. I just, I just don't see. Like, don't get me wrong. I think they are clearly 
one and two in that division at the moment. We'll wait and see what Pereira has to offer. But I, I just don't see why you make the Izzy fight again. I mean, it can happen potentially in the future. I don't think it will because I think Izzy will move up. I think if Izzy beats Pereira, there's not... I mean, the, the middleweight's interesting because there's this young crop of middleweights coming through, like Imarvov, who fought on Saturday night, Drikus Duplessis, uh, Andre Moniz, who I think is one of the biggest threats to Israel Adesanya coming through. But all these young middleweights coming through that could represent fresh blood for Izzy and new challenges, he could stay there. But I think Izzy doesn't have a huge amount left to prove. If he, not, if he beats Pereira, then he's beat the guy that knocked him out in kickboxing. That's a huge feather in his cap, I think. Then after that, there's not an obvious number one contender. There's not an obvious person where you go, oh, that guy should really fight for the belt next. And I see them giving Izzy loads of problems. So I can see Izzy moving up and doing it right this time. Because the whole thing with the way he fought Jan Blachowicz, he weighed in at 203 pounds, which makes me think he wasn't putting on much weight after that if he came in so under the weight limit. Jan Blachowicz probably went into that fight nearly two stone heavier than Izzy. And Izzy still made it a competitive fight until Jan Blachowicz started taking him down and just kind of lying on top of him a bit. So I think if Izzy were to go, do you know what? I'm going to take out Pereira. And then while the middleweight division sorts itself out, I could vacate or I might just keep the belt and say, do your thing for a bit because none of you have made your, your, your case to fight me enough yet. He could go away, put on some weight for six months or whatever it is, try and do some strength training and then maybe go up to 205 and fight either directly for the belt. I mean, I would love to see Israel Adesanya versus Yuri Prohashka. I think that is brilliant. I, I, I would be fireworks all right there. Fireworks. It? It's it's the chaos of Yuri who won't allow because there's been criticism of Izzy lately being quite yeah. boring and mm-hmm. and just sitting back and only doing what he has to to win. And when you're dealing with that kind of sums of money and your legacy and all that stuff, I can't blame him. But is it fan friendly? Not always. No. Um, and a lot's being said about oh the next fight. Oh he's he's gonna. Be, it's going to be a different kettle of fish because this guy knocked him out before and he's going to be coming. And I don't think it is. I think he's going to be nervous about someone like Pereira coming for him. I think it's going to be a really highly technical striking battle and Pereira's got the power edge in that fight. And it's just going to, it's going to be an interesting one, but I think it could potentially be a dull striking fight where not a huge amount is going on. They're just kind of staring at each other a lot. Um, if he fought someone like Yuri Prohashka, Yuri doesn't play that game. Yuri just goes, I'm storming forward. I'm throwing spinning elbows. I'm jumping at you. I think that could potentially bring the best out of Izzy because Izzy's a great yeah. counter striker, but he'll have that to counter strike. could be some crazy ninja shit, that fight. That could, could be, be some crazy ninja shit. So I, I think that would be great. I mean, look, we're, we're diverging on to, to Adesanya, but I think it, you know, it's all relative to Whitaker because he, I think he needs Adesanya to not be champion to fight for the belt. I think... Right, so Go on. with that in mind then, Let's 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 envisage we get a, a, an Edward style uh, KO from um, Pereira and he takes the belt, right? And and that's completely possible. You know we've 100%. seen the power, yeah. Like and uh, and we know the backstory. It's super exciting. Um, Pereira's gets the strap. Whitaker, it's got to be right. 
Well, you would. Or you would do you think, think there'd be a, a, a re, you know, an instance that they run it back again? They would have to offer the immediate rematch. Adesanya is too much of a dominant champion. You have to, have to, have to offer the immediate mm. rematch. However, and this is what I think with the, the Usman thing as well. If Pereira were to take Adesanya out early, and Adesanya's got to sit month, sit six months on the sidelines because of like. You know, you, you, the, when they have the medical thing and yeah. like the, the doctors say you, you've got concussion, you're not allowed to, to mm-hmm. bite again for six months or whatever. If he wants to defend the belt within that time or the Brazil card comes up sooner than Israel Adesanya would be available to fight again, for sure, Robert Whittaker is the number one guy you stick in there with Pereira. And I think if Pereira loses to Israel Adesanya, Pereira Whittaker is also the fight that makes the most sense. Um the only the uh, Whitaker has mentioned potentially going up to two hundred five. I think that's a terrible idea. I think he'll just be outsized. I, I think Whitaker used to be a welterweight. He can't go up to two hundred five, and I don't think he wants to drop back down to welterweight. So I think middleweight is his division. He has to just continue the middleweight journey. I think if um, if Pereira wins or loses, he could fight Pereira next, depending on what happens with Adesanya and a potential immediate rematch. But for sure. Whitaker, if, if Pereira loses, do Whitaker Pereira. That makes loads of sense. The biggest fights available to Whitaker now, I think, are if people come up from welterweight. Like, because again, Whitaker's taken out most of the big contenders at middleweight. Yes, he could fight Paulo Costa. I think Whitaker would smash him, but yeah, sure, he could fight Paulo Costa. There's, I, I, I would say, if you're the UFC, you want to keep. The Muniz, Duplessis, Imarvovs away from Whitaker. Make them fight someone like Vittori or someone like that where you go, Vittori could get in the way, but it's a more favorable matchup. You don't want your young contenders that could be the fresh blood for Adesanya or these new guys fighting for the belt, these up and comers, getting stopped by Robert Whitaker because the likelihood is they will be stopped by him because he's so bloody good. So. I don't think you want them to be stopped by him. I think you want to keep him well away from those young up-and-comers that I mentioned earlier. Give him Pereira, give him Paolo Costa maybe, but it's a bit of a meh fight. Um, I think the most interesting fights for Whitaker are those people that might come up from welterweight. Gilbert Burns? No, no, I think Gilbert Burns will stay at welterweight. I think the options of people coming up are people like, well, before Usman got beat, I would have said that Colby Covington could come up because he's lost to Usman twice. But now that Leon's a champ, we'll see what happens there. Leon will probably fight Usman in a rematch. If Usman wins, it sticks Colby back at the back of the queue again because he's lost twice. If Leon wins a rematch, Colby will stay at welterweight and go for Leon. But if Colby, if Usman beats Leon in a rematch and Colby's at the back of the queue, it would make sense for him to go up to middleweight because he's even mentioned that Adesanya's wrestling so poor that he would do Adesanya. So if you want to do Adesanya, beat Whitaker first, and then you're the guy. If you beat Robert Whitaker, you are the number one guy now. You get to fight Adesanya in the next fight. So if, if, if Colby were to go up, let's say, for example, um, Hamzat beats Nate Diaz. He's probably thinking, oh, I beat Nate Diaz. I fight Usman for the belt next. Oh, wait, Leon's head kicked him in the, into the nether realm. So that now means that there's a, a rematch going to probably take place between Usman and, uh, and Edwards. Let's say Usman suffers some kind of injury in training and they need to replace someone on the uh, what hopefully will be the Wembley card. Who are they going to go to? Probably Masvidal. 
the the storyline is there. It's a favourable matchup for Leon. It's big business for the UFC to get the last bit out of Masvidal before he's officially done because he's ageing. What if Amzat Shemaev is staring at going, okay, Leon's fighting Masvidal now because Usman's injured in March. And then what's going to happen after that? The likelihood is the Usman-Leon fight gets remade for what, September? So Hamzat, what, has a year out and then waits another four or five months for his title shot? What does Hamzat do in that time? Maybe he takes on a Colby Covington if he wants to stick around. Maybe he fights someone else at World to Wait. Or does Hamzat go, do you know what? Fuck this. I've already got a win at middleweight. I'll go and fight Robert Whittaker at middleweight. He could go and fight Robert Whittaker at middleweight. If he were to beat Robert Whittaker, he then could fight Adesanya for the belt and then drop back down to welterweight and fight for a belt there as well. Like Hamzat has shown that he can go to both divisions. He's a very, very big welterweight. Very big yeah. welterweight. We've seen him have um, uh, grappling matches with Jack Hermanson and beat him. You know, so Hamzat can do stuff at middleweight. That fight would be incredibly appealing, I think, for, for Robert Whittaker to, to halt that train. And then the other one is Usman. If Usman gets beat by Leon again, maybe he goes, do you know what? My time at welterweight is done. Let me go up to middleweight. He never wanted to go to middleweight because him and Adesanya have that Nigerian connection. So, Niger- so um, uh, Adesanya will probably move up to light heavyweight at some point. Usman moves up to middleweight. Maybe he takes on Whitaker straight away. That's a great fight for Whitaker. So those are the more fun, interesting fights. If he just fights someone at middleweight, it's probably going to be Paulo Costa, maybe Pereira, which could be fun. But again, it... I don't think it does a huge amount for him. It just keeps him going, yep, I'm the second best. You already know I'm the second best, but I'm now proving I'm the second best. Someone like Hamzat or Usman or Colby Covington goes up to middleweight. I think that's far more exciting and interesting. They're bigger names. And if things, uh, just looking at what could be next for Vittori, um, if we see a a Wembley card, um, I'll I'll be down for Vittori, Darren Till. 100%. That'd be a great fight. At Wembley. Vittori, Darren Till, I'd, I'd, yeah, that'd be fantastic. There's beef between the two of them as well. Yeah. They were pre-booked to fight each other and then Till got injured. Yeah, let's make that fight happen. That'd be great. And I think that's one of the better fights for Darren Till because Darren Till really, he's only one and two at middleweight. Mm. He's only had three fights at middleweight. He's, I know he's had injuries and it's not been his fault. He's been inactive because of things out of his control. But Till is one of these people that could be fed to these young up-and-comers. If you've got Till versus Imovov, Till versus um, uh, Muniz, I think Till's the underdog in both those fights. Yeah. Um, I, d- I don't think Till would take that. I think he, he's stock. He's, 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 he's decent still. And I think, you know, people are going to want to see that name Darren Till next to a, a more recognisable name. I agree. Um, I, I, but, I, and I don't, on paper, that's wrong. Way. No. 100%. He, he's like, he's one saying. and two at middleweight. If the UFC say to him, you're fighting Imovov next, can he really turn it down? I don't know. I don't know. I don't no, know. I, I'd prefer him to fight Vittori. I think it's a better fight for Darren. Mm. And I think it's a more fun fight. And I think Wembley, again, the European thing, Vittori's Italian, it'd be easy for them to make that happen. That's the, uh, that's the fight I'd like to see, yeah. Vittori, yeah. Darren Till. But who knows? Well, look, we've been going 40 minutes uh, and we've only discussed two fights and we've got another event to do. Whether we'll even get round to that uh, other event or that'll have to be another episode. Let's see how we get on. But um, looking back at uh, the, the, the Paris card, it, 
I mean, I don't know how much more we want to talk about uh, some of the fights on there, but um, for me, uh, it didn't get fight of the night. I know that um, Ty and Garn got the, the, the 50 Gs each for fight of the night. Um, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But uh, I'm trying to think what the other uh, awards were, were given to. Um, performance of the night was Saint Denis, uh, and performance of the night was also uh, Maganamedov. But for me, I'll say fight of the night was Nathaniel Wood versus Charles Jordan. I mean, it I was a that fight great fight. Was incredible. Like um, Jordan. Looked great, like pressure fighter. Nathaniel Wood, like one four five, he's suiting him because he looked incredible in London and he looked so confident. Which post fight, we've since gone on to see Nathaniel come out and talk about the anxiety he has yeah. and the fear he has for fighting, has put some really brave and open and honest you know, statements out there talking about his mental health and, and, and the anxiety that he has to deal with, you know, doing what he does. Um, he controlled that anxiety when he got in the octagon, you know, uh, and he put on a masterclass. I thought he looked incredible. Them little sweeps that we're seeing him oh, doing are they were just great. incredible. And, yeah, I, I think... You know, seeing some of the tweets popping up, you know, as that fight started, you're seeing big names saying, this is the fight I was looking forward to tonight. Yeah. This is the one. And it delivered. It looked brilliant. I thought it was a big test for for, uh, for Nathaniel, uh, and he just come through with flying cars. It, it, you know, it was a close fight. Make no mistake. It, it wasn't a whitewash by any means, but it was a confident, and, and he'd he done more than enough to take that W. And I thought... He looked brilliant. And, and getting a win over someone like Charles Jordan, he's, he's great for Nate. And uh, can't wait to see him fight again. Because, I mean, what, how many weeks had it been since London? Not many. And uh, and obviously, he looked so 
so dominant in the, in uh, in London, and and again, you know, I, I think I think that division is now going to start thinking. I don't really fancy that Nathaniel Wood. Like his boxing's too good, and them sweeps every fucking time. Yeah, like, I'm, I, I thought the sweeps were were phenomenal, and I think the way he pounced on them as well to get on top of Jordan once he swept him was really great as well. Boxing on point, really brilliant. Head movement, really good. The thing that worries me for Nathaniel at 45 is just pure size. He's small, isn't he? uh, Yeah. I mean, he's got still a good reach. Like him and Jordan, I think, had the same reach, even though he was like a few inches shorter than Jordan. Jordan, again, I think I heard Paul Felder on the commentary say, Jordan's not the biggest featherweight out there. Like, I think he did have a short spell at lightweight, but I still think he's not the biggest featherweight out there. But can you imagine a stare down between Nathaniel Wood and Max Holloway? Brian like, Ortega. Or Brian Ortega. <laughs> or Calvin yeah. Cater. Like, Rodriguez. He's, yeah. He's going to be a bit dwarfed. And that's what worries me for him. I think he's got all the skill in the world. And clearly you can see the weight cuts down at 135 were damaging him. They, 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 they were affecting his performance in the octagon. Because what we've seen from him, Rosa's no mug, but Jordan is really good. I've been a fan of Jordan for a long time now, and he's put on some really brilliant performances in the octagon. For him to win that so comfortably against Jordan, in, in enemy territory as well, because I mean, I know Jordan's Canadian, but he's French-Canadian, I believe, and, and, and the crowd were on his side. So for him to do that against the crowd, getting booed, all that stuff, I think showed a real maturity and as much as he said he was anxious beforehand, I, I reckon he's one of these guys that when he sets foot in there, all that goes away and it's just business. And he, he kept he, going, yeah, yeah, didn't he? He kept he, like, yeah, he kept like yelping, and from the minute he walked into that octagon till he was pacing around the octagon, and uh, yeah, I, I, I thought he had, he obviously had something going on that he put in place to control yeah. and get him where he needed to get, and uh, and whatever it was. It worked a treat. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I don't think he gets a ranked opponent yet. I think he no. needs one more win. But I think his wins are... What would be really great is if he could get a finish. If he gets a finish at 145, I think he gets a ranked opponent next. Um, yeah. But I think his next fight will probably be with someone just outside the rankings. Um, I'm not sure exactly who. Um, but I know... Uh, Nate Landwehr was, uh, I heard mentioned recently, which I think could be a good fight. Um, but I don't really think it matters who it is. Is there someone just outside the top 15 in that kind of, I don't know, 15 to 20, 25 range? I think Nathaniel Wood fights them. And with a win, any win, he probably might get a ranked opponent next. But Featherweight is a really stacked division. So getting a finish would be the thing to really help him then get a fight in the top 15. But again, you look at that top 15. You've got grapplers like Bryce Mitchell, Movsar Evloev, um, Aliyah Tapuria. I mean, Jesus Christ, those guys are, they're not small. And they're mm. very, very, very talented grapplers. And I just feel like as much as I think Nathaniel's incredibly well-rounded, I think he's got great stand-up, great boxing, and I think he's a good grappler as well. But when you're grappling someone that on the night is going to be 10-plus pounds heavier than you, I think it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him in those those upper echelons of the division. But 
fingers crossed it goes well for him and, and he keeps going well. Because we're big fans of Nathaniel on this. He was one of our first guests, I think, on, yeah, on this show. Yeah, we should get him back on. And we should get Definitely him back. Get it's get been, back been a long time <clears> since <throat> we've spoken to Nathaniel and I'm always a big fan of Nathaniel. But that is, that is the thing that I'd, I'd like to say is like, how, how much are you feeling the size difference yeah. so far? <clears> and is there anyone out there where you're looking at them going, fucking hell. Again, just imagining a stare down between Ortega or Holloway and Nathaniel Wood just makes you yeah. go, Jesus, this is... <clears throat> there's a big yeah. size difference here yeah absolutely shout out to gb top team like what brad's doing over there like yep. you know you're seeing some of his fighters coming through in, in cage warriors doing amazing things and and yeah like an incredible setup he's got there and uh yeah always always lovely to see him walking out and slapping nate around the chops before uh before he gets into the octagon um yeah okay well look is there any more you want to sort of touch on um I or think, should we i think we have to touch on him on him buckley <clears throat> Because yeah, okay. Marvov looked great, but that third round was another one of those situations where I feel like n- no one stopped dropped in that fight. There was loads of beef beforehand. I don't know what was going on, if Buckley must have said something, because I heard someone say that Buckley is, you know, one of those characters that, you know, he's a bit chalk and cheese, you love him or hate him type thing. I don't know what went on between the two of them, who said what to who or whatever, but there was clearly a lot of beef uh, between the two of them. And it happened even immediately in the octagon. Buckley stepped forward and Imarvov was all over him. I think before they were even like announced, um, like as soon as Imarvov got in the cage, it looked like it was about to kick off. Yeah. Um, and on the buzzer a couple of times, it was like, yeah, it, you know, I mean, it was Goddard again, wasn't it? That fight? Yeah. yeah. He I had think his Mark work had his work. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. He yeah. Really he had a lot did. to do. Um, but, uh, but I mean, Imarvov, I mean, was Buckley about 5'9"? And Imarvov's about 6'3"? Like, mm. it, it was so noticeable, wasn't it? It was so noticeable. You're looking at Buckley and you're going, mate, maybe you need to be a welterweight. But you look at his body, you go, how are you going to cut weight? You're shredded. You're absolutely shredded. He looks like an action figure. Um, so I just don't know how he could cut weight down to welterweight. I think he has done a fight at welterweight before, but I bet that was not a comfortable cut. Um, so he uh, felt the, that 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 difference really presented itself more yeah. more with the the, the 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 range of the arms because you could see that that uh, Imovov could could throw them that that, that jab uh, and land comfortably, whereas Buckley it seemed he had to throw two jabs to close that distance to then try and get the power shot in, and and it was you know it was having to do twice as much work. And yeah. and I think it was it was so noticeable, but it was a great fight. The third round was phenomenal. The way Buckley, what I loved was in that third round, and Buckley's corner did well as well. They were like, "You're down, you, you, yeah. you're down. You need to do it. Um, you, you need to just throw everything at him." And Buckley did, and like, there's only so much he could do with the disadvantages he had physically to him, Marvov. But he caught him a couple of times. He was really going for it. He was trying to finish the fight. And I think the UFC will watch that and go, yeah, let's give him another good fight. Let's, yeah. let's treat this guy well because he's someone that he'll put it, the right performances on for the fan. He won't accept losses and be like, oh, well, I've already lost. I'll just protect myself a little bit. He is really going out to try and finish fights. He's also the owner of the greatest knockout ever in the UFC, yeah, as as 100%. ranked as ranked by Blake Harrison, <laughs> as ranked by Blake Harrison on the MMA Fan Podcast Knockout episode, which if you haven't heard yet, you should go back and listen to. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I I, I think I think he, he's he's another one where his stock went up in in defeat. His stock still went up. Um, so I've got a lot of time for Joaquin Buckley, and I really hope he has another really good fight coming up soon. Um, in terms of Imarvov, again, I think he's that one of those cluster of middleweights that are coming through now that could be the yep. next the next batch of challengers for Izzy. I think his next fight could be. I know Cannoneer Strickland has um, been called off, so you could maybe throw him in against Cannoneer if he wants a quick replacement, or maybe give him the the loser of Hermanson v Derek Brunson. That could be a, a good fight as well uh, to really test him and, and give him uh, fights further up the uh, up the rankings. So yeah, Hermanson Brunson does not excite me. Uh, it might be all right. It might be one of those ones where it becomes a sloppy striking battle because they're both good grapplers. Um, mm. So it could could actually end up being a little a bit fun, uh, but who mm. knows? Um, Kopalov had a good win. Gomis, who we saw in Cage Warriors against Harilla, who put on yep. a great performance when we were there at Cage Warriors, like maybe like over a year ago now, whatever it yeah. was. Um, he got he won, but oh God, it was tight for him. He was like struggling to get out of a triangle late in that third round, um, but he did well. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Avus Magomedov, who I think I don't know what organizations he's been in, but he's been around a while, but only just made it. To- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. To the UFC, he looks monstrous. That front kick to the face, um, and that finish. Nineteen he got, seconds. He Good got, night. He got a performance bonus. Um, he's he's Russian and German, which makes me think he's just going to be an efficient killer um, in the UFC. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I think he could be one to watch. He's again as a middleweight. When you're looking at the Pereiras and the Adesanyas and the Imarvovs, that kind of height and reach is going to be important going forward. And he's got that. And I think we could see Abbas Magomedov make a real run at the, at the top 15 and then possibly even the title as well. So that's going to be one to watch. Any others you want to talk about? Or should we move on to uh, this I'm, weekend? I'm happy to move on to this weekend. I suppose we want to be sort of quick because this episode is running quite long. But um, but yeah, I think we should just dive into Diaz Shemaev. It's a card that uh, it's not the greatest card, is it? It's got a couple of matchups on there that uh, just feel like it feels like a punishment. <laughs> It it doesn't it doesn't feel like good competitive matchups. And look, maybe I'll be surprised by some of the performances and God knows I would like to be by some of them. But a lot of these fights feel very one sided. It feels like, hey, you're on your way out. Put this guy over and make him even more popular. And then we move on and say goodbye to you. And we hope that we haven't shortened your lifespan too much. Uh, that is sort of how some of the fights on this card feel. 
Um, let's start with with Diaz Shemaev. I mean, obviously, that fight is one of the ones I'm referring to when I speak the way I just did. Do you have any thoughts on this fight other than God? I hope Nate makes it out of there alive. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I watched Nate Diaz get schooled by Leon Edwards for four and a half rounds. Uh, and like everyone else was writing him off. <clears throat> as much as I'm still on cloud nine about the fact that Leon's the champ, I think had Nate not have just fannied around, giving him the finger and laughing at him, he could have potentially have got a finish uh, against Leon. Um, that wasn't that long ago, and that, that guy is now the champ. I think people are writing Nate off. Um, I, uh, who, was, who did Hamzat fight last? Gilbert Burns, Burns wasn't it? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> uh, I, I definitely saw a fighter in that fight that didn't look like this unstoppable machine that everybody was talking about. Uh, I thought that, I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously we know that Gilbert, Gilbert Burns was, was, was he ranked number two at that point? Like, uh, when mm. he fought Hamza, like yep. so, it was an inc- it, you know it, it, he 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 got an you know a win over a huge name and has put himself in that number three position now. I am I really want to see Nate win this fight. Like I love Nate Diaz, um, and nothing would give me more pleasure because this is this is I believe it is his last fight on his current contract, isn't it? It is, yeah. Nothing would give me more joy than to see him choke out Hamzat and just just walk off with double fingers and like and go and enjoy his his, his millions and his and his retirement. Uh, that would give me such joy. Um, you know, I, I I I I understand why people like Hamzat. I I, I don't know. I, I I love Nate Diaz, and I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not going to lean away from him and, and I want to see him win. And I think he might surprise the world. Well, I mean, look, I, I love Hamza. I think Hamza's great. I obviously love Diaz what do you as love, well. What do you love about Hamza? He is so exciting to watch. The, the, the fact that he took out his first three opponents in like three weeks or whatever the hell it was, um, He's just he's just a, a marauder. He's just storming. He's he's just he's just storming through the UFC on horseback, just taking out villages. <laughs> just like that's what he's doing. He is like an old fashioned warrior, just come to destroy. And I'm here for it, and I love it. The fact that he picked up Li Jing Liang and like a baby, and walked him over to Dana White so he could have a chat with Dana White whilst he's kicking the shit out of him was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Some of the mystique has been taken away by the fact that Gilbert Burns was able to go three rounds with him and Hamzat, you know, showed some vulnerability, but Hamzat still won that fight. Nate Diaz is not Gilbert Burns. He doesn't hit anywhere near as hard as Gilbert Burns. Nate Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz is peppering you with strikes and all that. Look, if I were to make a case for Nate Diaz, I'd say he needs to somehow survive the first 
13 minutes of this fight. Just somehow survive it. And if he's still there towards the end of round three, maybe we see a chink in the armor of, of Hamzat Shemaev and we see the cardio really deplete and Nate can do something. But I but how's think, he going to beat Nate? I think he could beat Nate in a multitude of ways. I think he could do to Nate what he did, did to Li Jing Liang. I know that Nate is a much better jiu-jitsu practitioner than Li Jing Liang, but I don't think uh, Nate, size-wise, can grapple with Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat Shemaev is massive. I think Nate, Nate is a blown-up lightweight. Um, and if Shemaev wants to take him down, I think he'll take him down at will. And I think on the ground, yes, Nate can be um, can be dangerous with the jiu-jitsu, but I think Shemaev's wrestling will nullify that. And I think he could beat Nate to a little bit of a pulp uh, from top position. And then the fight could get stopped there, or he could go to a choke or something after he's kind of sort of made Nate semi-unconscious. I think in the stand-up, he will hit so much harder than Nate. Will he have as maybe Nate's boxing is quite crisp and quite good, but will he have the power of Hamzat? Absolutely not. Hamzat knocked out Gerald Mearshart with one shot. I think he could land really big on Nate early and take him out early. I I really don't see the the only way I think Nate can win this is if they're coming out for like a fifth round. Nate is probably covered in blood, and Hamzat is looking at it like how have you not stayed down and is absolutely gassed. And he comes out of that round with nothing left because he's emptied the gas tank and Nate somehow can just put it on him a bit. That is the only way Nate wins this fight in my head. Nate, Nate hasn't been stopped in nine years. He hasn't well, been stopped. Well, that's not true because he was stopped because of cuts to, in the Muslim fights. Just the cuts. Well, you, well, you don't think that can happen again with Hamzat Shemaev smashing you with elbows from top position? In regards to being submitted or KO'd, his last loss was Josh Thompson in 2013. Every other loss has been a decision. Yeah, but um, who, who has Nate fought that could have... Like, I mean, Masvidal could have done that to him. And let's be honest, Masvidal is who not... Who could have knocked him out? Anthony Pettis, Conor McGregor. No, Anthony, right. no, no. You cannot. Rafael Dos Anjos. No, they are no. They are not Hamzat Shemaev. They are nowhere near Hamzat. If Hamzat Shemaev was fighting Anthony Pettis right now, I'd be saying, "Oh dear Lord, is this legal?" Like, there's, there's, like Hamzat Shemaev. No, sorry, oh, you're talking about them now. Right, sorry. Yeah, sorry. But, I thought... but Anthony Pettis was beat by Nate only what, like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, it's, it's, that's not Anthony Pettis, the lightweight champion of the world. Yeah, and like Connor again, a featherweight that's blown up to a welterweight. That's not a middleweight dropping down to welterweight. RDA again, a lightweight that went up to middleweight, and again is not known for knockout power. I just, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. I mean, look, in terms of storyline. I would love it if Nate were to win this fight. I think it'd be incredible if Nate won this fight. And as you said, double fingers up to the UFC and just went off. He started his own fight promotion now. He'll probably go and box Jake Paul. He'll probably go and box Jake Paul whether he wins or loses this fight because he's such a huge name. 
what I think is the best outcome for Nate, the best outcome for Nate I can see from this fight that could actually happen is it's stopped because of cuts or something controversial happens. Like he takes a low blow and can't continue or something like there's an eye poke or something like that where fans of Nate's that can really easily buy into the narrative of Nate's so gangster even when he loses, he still wins because look at what he did to Leon Edwards. Let's go back to pride rules and all that kind of stuff. That's that's how, like again, that Nate losing to Masvidal because of cuts, it meant that his fans could say he didn't lose that fight. The ref took it away from him. It wasn't Nate's fault. Nate was coming back and he was going to win. If there was a sixth round in the Leon Edwards fight, Nate would have won. Like that's what the fans of Nate can, can cling to. If something like that happens in this fight, that I think is the best outcome for Nate because he walks off with that kind of gangster um, persona, all of that kind of, I'm still the greatest fighter, even though I don't win that much. That's still intact. And then he can go and box Jake Paul for shitloads of money. He can start his own fight promotion and do whatever he wants. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that could work well for Nate Diaz. But what I can see happening is Hamzat picking him up, raining down blows and ending this fight within the first two or three minutes. That is what could happen in this fight. I I, I really worry for Nate. I reckon he's going to shock the world. Well, look, if he does, I'll I'll come on this show and be really happy about it. Because look, I love Hamzat. I think Hamzat's great. But the storyline of Nate winning on his final contract with the UFC tops that. So yeah, I would love 100%. it. And I think Chimaev is so good. Even if he were to lose to Nate by some freak incident, he'll still go on and potentially be a champion. He'll still go on and fight for belts at both welterweight mm. and middleweight. Like Chimaev, if he takes a loss against Nate, that's crazy. He'll then go and fight. I don't know. Someone else. I mean, I'd be interested in fighting Shavkat Rakhmanov. That'd be some fight, but he'll mm. go and fight one or two other welterweights like, a um, uh, Either Neil Magny or who am I forgetting who who beat Kiesa recently, who can't get fights even though he's brilliant, the American guy, wrestler. Um, Oh, shit. My head's gone. Um, But anyway, but he'll go and fight someone and he'll get wins and he'll he'll, he'll be back. Are you talking about Jeff Neal? No, I'm talking about Sean Brady. Sean Sean Brady. Brady, He'll go and fight like a Sean Brady or someone like that. You know, He's, he's got options. Colby coming. There's loads of options. And if he just gets two wins after losing to Nate, he's back in the title picture. So Shemaev can come back. It's no problem at all. Um, so Diaz winning would be, would be fine by me and would be really fun. And would be, you imagine finishing watching that card at 6am and being like, Nate just won. That'd be fucking amazing. Um, so good. It'd be, so good. It'd be the feel good story of the year. It really would be 100%. the feel good story of the year. Um, so yeah, but will it happen? Let's be honest. It's unlikely. Um, anyway, moving on to another fight. That's just kind of a similar tone to the point where I don't really want to oh, talk about see what it. You done there. Uh, oh, I didn't even see what I did there. Um, <laughs> uh, Li Jing Liang, Tony Ferguson. Again, I'm not a fan of this fight. I don't know why Tony's moving up again. I don't think of him as a particularly huge lightweight or anything like that. Um, it's not an exciting starry opponent at welterweight. Like, it's not like he's going up there and fighting, I don't know, like 
Stephen Thompson or, or or someone like that, where it could be a really fun fun fight up at that weight class. Two legends. It's a weird fight. This. It's a weird fight. It's not you know Carlos Condit, someone like that. That would have been the fight to make. Let him go up to welterweight and fight. But let him fight Nate Diaz at welterweight. That would have mm. been more fun. I know the UFC don't want to do that. And again, I can't. I can't help but feel that it's like a punishment for the way Tony Ferguson conducted himself in himself in the lead up to the Michael Chandler fight. I can't remember the exact quote, but he was basically calling like, was he calling Dana White a pimp or a prostitute? And the UFC, the way they, they handle things and the way they handled him was so bad and all this kind of stuff and fighter pay and all that. kind. He was talking about all of it. And I can't help but think the UFC have gone, okay. That's how you want to talk in interviews, calling us pimps and prostitutes or whatever it is. Let's give you a really like hard, difficult fight, upper weight class, and it's not even a starry opponent. It's Li Jing Liang, who is it, ranked 14th. You know, it, he could have fought Masvidal, Tony Ferguson, Masvidal. To be honest, I think the fight to make would be Connor. That's the fight I'd want to see Tony v. Connor. There's been beef there for the best part of what friggin' eight years or whatever, um, and Tony's on a losing streak, but didn't look terrible in the first round of that Michael Chandler Not fight. Looked, looked, looked pretty great pretty in the good. first round. Um, and Connor needs a fight to come back to that's a bit more favourable to him. That's the fight to yeah. make, Tony Connor. But I think Tony talked himself out of that fight with the way he conducted himself in the interviews uh, pre his Michael Chandler fight. So that's what I think is happening here. And I mean, I think if Tony loses, he's on a five fight losing streak or something like that. It has been against really good opposition. though. I mean, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Benil Dariush. All the best the, of the best. The best of the best. I mean, he has fought some really top guys. But I don't know. Does, does that translate? I'm, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. That that kind of twilight period of their, their 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 career. You know, you mentioned Nate and you mentioned Connor. Like, I don't see that any of them fighters are ever gonna win a world title again. And so let's make them fun fights happen. Let's yeah. let's give the fans what they want, and it's to see these 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 legends all fight. And yep. uh, yeah, I, I don't. That said, like Nate gets that win. Rematch, rematch with Leon. Oh, I'd love it. Uh, well, I mean, I think that that's what the UFC would try to do. I think they'd try to go, oh, my mm. God. And again, that would push, push Hamzat back loads. In, what we were talking about yeah. earlier about him potentially going up to middleweight, that pushes him way back in the pecking order as well because you'd have to do that fight immediately. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, if Nate wins, it, it could get crazy. The UFC could be paying him shitloads to try and come back. But, but <laughs> It would be so mad, wouldn't it? It would I'd be absolutely it. mental. But I think Nate sort of wants more than just money. I think he, he likes the idea of doing his own fight promotion. I think he wants to go and box Jake Paul for the crazy millions that it could generate. I mean, Jake Paul's now fighting Anderson Silva. Um, I, I don't think if Jake, if Jake Paul wins that fight with Nate would be huge, but I think Nate would be an even bigger underdog. If Jake Paul loses to Anson Silva, it actually might makes the Nate Diaz fight more appealing because I think Nate's got even more chance of winning that fight then. And I, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting fight for Paul still to fight Nate Diaz. So there's, there's loads of money on the cards for Nate. 
win or lose, because he's going to leave the UFC, I think. But if he does win and they try and throw shitloads of money at him to fight Leon at Wembley, so oh my god, that <laughs> yeah, would, mate. that I mean, I don't think that will happen. But fuck me, that'd be incredible. It's nice to dream, isn't it? It's nice to dream. <laughs> I'd be thinking, poor, poor old Usman, poor old Hamzat, but fuck it. Nate's the king. you got to give it to Nate. Um, 100%. So, yeah, um, I, I don't even know what's in this fight massively for Li Jingliang. I know he gets to fight, like, Tony Ferguson, who's a big name, but like, if he beats Li Jingliang, if, if, um, if Li Jingliang beats Tony Ferguson... No one's going to go, oh, my God, Li Jingliang beat Tony Ferguson. They're going to go, yeah, you beat a guy on a four-fight losing streak who's coming up a weight class. Like, yeah. No one's going to think Li Jingliang is going to shoot up his rankings because he beats Tony Ferguson. So it's, it's, it's a yeah. strange fight. It's a strange fight. Um, the rest of the card isn't overly exciting. I do think Kevin Holland's Daniel Rodriguez could be a really great fight. That could be fight of the night. I think... Yeah. Um, Kevin Holland has looked really good since dropping down at welterweight. I think he's looked really, really good. Um, Rodriguez is on a three-fight win streak, but I don't know how active he's been lately. I think he maybe was injured for a bit, but he's been he's on a three-fight win streak. Um, I and think... wins over Kevin Lee and Mike Perry as well. Like, yeah, you know, all, all in, in three wins all came in in, in twenty twenty-one as well. So he's uh, yeah, he's probably having a bit of a rest. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. And yeah, that's uh, that's a great fight. And I think the winner of this fight could end up getting maybe the Wonder Boy fight because Wonder Boy I don't think is booked at the moment. A lot of people are clamoring for the Wonder Boy fight. I know Michelle Pereira wants it, and I would love to see that oh, fight mate. so much. I know Shevkat Rachmanov has said he wants to fight Wonder Boy. I really don't want to see that fight. Um, but I think if Kevin Holland beats uh, Daniel Rodriguez here. He'll be on, uh, will he be on a three-fight win streak at welterweight? Like, he hasn't lost a welterweight. He's won his two welterweight fights, I think. Yeah. Then um, I, I think Kevin Holland Wonderboy is a cracking fight. It's a stand-up fight. It'll be really fan-friendly. And Holland's a good name, and Stephen Thompson's a vet. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think Stephen Thompson has said he wants to fight someone where it's a fun fight. I don't think he wants to fight the Bilal Mohammeds and Gilbert Burns again. His next fight, he, he, I think he said... I want a stand-up fight. And so Rachmanov is off the cards. Michelle Pereira might be on the cards, which I think would be great. But I think he's looking at the winner of this Kevin Holland-Daniel Rodriguez fight because Daniel Rodriguez is a really good striker as well. I think he'll have the power advantage over Holland. And I think the winner of this fight could take on Wonderboy and that could be a really good fight and obviously would propel Rodriguez or Holland right up the rankings if they were to get a win against Wonderboy if they then, if after potentially beating their opponent this Saturday. So, yeah, that could be a good one. Um, and other than that, I don't know, you've got Arena Aldana versus Macy Chiazon. Have you got any thoughts on that? Or have you got any thoughts on the Holland-Rodriguez fight? Uh, I think we're going to see Holland. I think Holland's on like a, a nice little roll at the moment. And I, I, I think welterweight clearly suits him. Uh, so, uh, uh, is it, no, it's, well, it's 180, isn't it? No, it's welterweight. Right. He's a okay. welterweight now. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, so no, think... no, you're right. It's catchweight. It is. They've it done is. a catchweight fight. I don't That's know why. Right. I think maybe they yeah. were booked and they brought it forward to just add yeah. something to this card. Because as we said, this card isn't the best card. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, I, I, I think it's a catchweight. But I think it's basically, it's, it's a welterweight fight. They're just, they're not cutting as much weight, yeah. which is, you know, I'm all in favour for. Because I think that that's another reason why this fight could be fight of the night. 
because we saw yeah. that with Marvin Vittori versus Paolo Costa last year or whatever, when they ended up stupidly fighting at light heavyweight, it was stupid because the way Paolo Costa conducted himself, but people fighting at a natural rate weight rather than cutting weight. They're far more durable. They're far, they've got far more yeah. in the gas tank. So this fight at 180 could be a really cracking fight. Yeah. I think it was TJ Sterling was meant to have been on this card as well, wasn't it? Which would no, have made it a... No, no. Well, no, as far as I'm aware, that's always been the Abu Dhabi card. The Abu uh, Dhabi card is ridiculous. The Abu Dhabi it, card it, is it, like... It, it, they were. They were. St- it's been rescheduled. Oh, has it been were, rescheduled? This fight, well, this, this fight, fight could have done with that. Been, but I suppose... Yeah, that's, what, that's where I think it, it's yeah. fallen short. It's not got... For a numbered card, it's it's not great. No, it's uh, not got any titles. But then I don't think you need title fights for numbered cards when the, the, the fights are interesting enough or the names are big enough. And don't get me wrong, obviously Hamza and Nate, the names are huge. Doesn't get any bigger. Yeah. But they shouldn't be fighting each other. Let's say you had Nate Diaz headlining against Tony Ferguson and Hamzat Shemaev was on the undercard against either Anil Magny or Sean Brady or maybe even better like uh, a Colby Covington, and they made yeah. that a five-round fight as well. That would be a way better card already, in my yeah. opinion, and I'd be far more intrigued by all of those fights. Yeah, definitely. This definitely. this this fight card at the moment is hinging on a, but what if Nate does something? That's what this yeah. whole card is about. That's that's the fairy tale, isn't it? That's the thing that's got yeah. people just going, but... It's his last fight. He can never write Nate off. Like, what What can he do? You know, what he's going to be, is, you know, what is he going to sign off with? And, you know, it, it, it's, you know, we all want it. We all want to see that that insane Nate Diaz, double fingers, walks out of the octagon. It would be hilarious and brilliant and, you know, uh, uh, an incredible potential end for a, a, a UFC career. But... Yeah, he's got a he's got a big fight in front of him, Absolutely. and uh, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Um, Arena Aldana Macy Chase on. I mean, it, the bantamweight's in a bit of a weird place because we're waiting on seeing if Pena versus Nunes gets booked for a trilogy, or if Valentina were to step up. So I mean, one one thing Aldana's got is Aldana's got a win over Caitlin Vieira, who's the other person kind of waiting on the sidelines looking at a potential title shot. Uh, if Aldana beats Chiazon, she keeps her, I think she's ranked fourth. So she keeps her rankings and is maybe leaping over Ketlin Vieira for a title shot yeah. because she's got a win over her. So that's there. But I mean, if you're the UFC and you're looking at your potential title fight options, you go, oh, Arena Aldana just beat Macy Chiazon. Oh, what win, win streak is she on? Oh, she's now on a two fight win streak. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's got a win over Ketlin Vieira. Oh, okay, good. Um, who are other options? Uh, Shevchenko stepping up to 135. Yep, much bigger fight. Or the Peña-Nunes trilogy. Yep, much bigger fight. So I, I don't really know what's at stake for the winner here. I think whoever wins this, whether it be Chiazon or Aldana, they're still going to have to fight one or two more. Yeah. Get one or two more wins before fighting for a belt. Um, yeah. And then the other fight that could be fun on the card is Johnny Walker, Ion Kutalaba. Mm-hmm. Um, but Johnny Walker's kind of lost what was exciting about him, hasn't he? Yeah, and Q, you know, and Q Laba does the incredible <laughs> uh, media uh, face-offs, and then just gets beat. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> again, like Johnny Walker, you know, all the good things about him ain't actually that good anymore. 
Like, I just wrote off a couple of fighters there, which is a bit rude. But uh, I, when I first saw that fight, I was like, oh, that could be. And then, I, like you say, you sort of think about it. And it's like, eh. Like, I think what's Cuba? How many? What's his win streak at the moment? Let's have a look. I don't think he's too exciting. One. Uh, he's. Uh, oh, he, he lost to Rick Span. He did beat Devlin Clark. And then before that, he lost to Ankalaev. Uh, Twice. Yeah, it was a controversial one. There was some controversy over the first That's one, right. and then Uncle yeah, I beat him properly. Thirty-eight seconds, won it. Yeah, come back and done a number. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. So that's one of those fights where if Johnny Walker re just just finds that exciting unorthodox striking that he had. Those first three fights in the UFC he won all in the first round by crazy knockouts. Crazy. Everyone was getting so excited. Everyone was like, they? "Oh my god, this is the guy to fight John Jones." That's how crazy everyone was getting. And then it all went wrong, and he's won, like, one of his last five fights. Against um, Rick Spann. <clears throat> Ryan Spann. I think um, uh, Ryan Spann, sorry. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, if Kutalaba comes forward and is a bit crazy in fights, if Johnny Walker just is less tentative and, and does the kind of crazy old-school Johnny Walker stuff, we could be in for a really fun fight there. But... Chance of that happening? I don't know, really. And then just shout out to Chris Barnett, who's taking on Jake Collier. Chris Barnett's been on this show. We had a fun interview with him. If you don't remember Chris Barnett, he's the Beast Boy. He's uh, He used to be called Huggy Bear. <laughs> he's a, a very, very large, uh, I think only like five foot nine heavyweight. <laughs> He's, he's, he's as wide as he is tall. He's as wide as he is tall, but he still throws spinning attacks. And like he's so much fun to watch. Um so he had that great uh, spinning heel kick knockout of uh, or tornado kick, whatever it was, uh, um, against uh, Jean Volante, I think it was. It was Volante, um, wasn't it? Yeah. And he had a great win there. And he's such a fun guy. We had a really great interview of him. So check out our back catalogs and, and find our interview with Chris Barnett. It was just a really fun guy, and it will make you want to support him this Saturday against Jake Collier. So hopefully he does well there. Hugely. And hopefully we'll get to catch his walkout as well because uh... – that boy can dance. He mm. really can dance. And, oh, he uh, loves it. And you've never seen someone look more happy walking uh, into an octagon to uh, to get punched in the face. He looks like it's Christmas. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in for... Uh, and it's a great chat. He was such a laugh. He was a really, really lovely dude. Oh, and, super uh, positive guy, wasn't he? It was just really, really yeah. lovely to chat to him. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, we mentioned uh, some some of the fights that happened uh, last weekend, um, and we mentioned Mark Goddard a couple of times on that. That was that was refing. Then um, I will recommend that you go check out uh, our episode with Mark Goddard. It was uh, a really really wonderful chat, getting a kind of peek behind the curtain of what it's like to be the third man in the octagon, and uh, and also um, John Anik. Uh, we heard the other day uh, working uh, for UFC as well. John Gooden. Um, we had a John Anik, John Gooden. What's with me and names today? Rick Span. Um, uh, um, At least John Anik is a person. Rick Span. Yeah. Like, who is that? Brian Stan. That's what I had in my head. Like, um, yeah, John Gooden. Uh, had a great chat with John Gooden on here, uh, talking about how you manage to have a wee wee uh, when you're <laughs> commentating. How you've got a split second to just do that run from the uh, the auditorium into uh, into the loo and back again uh, by the next fight. It's a really good chat that one. Uh, we mentioned Tommy Aspinall, obviously, uh, when we was talking all things heavyweights. Uh, great chat with Tom. 
uh, in the back catalogue. And we could go on. Um, we've had a real, we've been so lucky over the last year and a bit to have had a real who's who of, um, of, of, of huge UFC names. We've got a great one coming up soon for you. It's all recorded. It's in the can with Josh Emmett. Uh, we sat down with Josh, who's on a tear at the moment and uh, definitely in the in the title contention talks. Um, and yeah, great chat with Josh. That will be coming your way very soon. As Blake mentioned earlier, we've done the top five knockouts. Blake and I both chose our favourite knockouts. Uh, so go have a listen to that and drop us a message on the socials because we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a message and let us know what your favourite knockouts are and give us your thoughts on what you think is going to be going down between Nate and Hamzat this weekend. I've run out of breath. Are we done? <laughs> I think we're done, mate. <laughs> right, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.